And this is yeah, remember this is a week later. It's not going up on the internet for another week. This is a, a, um, a live from New York. It's a special pre-recorded edition of the Stack Exchange podcast number thirteen with special guest star Jeff Atwood and special guest Jin Yang, who uh, most of you know as eighty one sixty four dot org or Jay on on the uh, on the uh, Twitters or uh, uh, the graphic designer uh, who uh, has done all the. Um, the Beautiful uh, graphic design around Stack Exchange. Welcome, Jin. Hey, nice to be here. By the way, I, I think I call myself a web designer. I'm not a graphic designer. What is the difference? Oh, I guess you're not making graphics. You're making right. webs. I'm sorry. But, you know, all these titles are just confusing. I normally don't sweat it. It's all the same to me. Graphic designer, web designer, sound well, designer. Plus, you do a bunch of graphic design stuff for us. Like, you're designing all of the T-shirts and stickers that we're sending out to everyone. That's right. And business cards. Right, lately, are awesome right. business cards. Lately, I find myself doing a lot of more print work. You know, the T-shirts, stickers, and cards. Yeah. And flyers. Don't forget flyers. There's, oh, yeah. And flyers. And There's the awesome there. business cards in the on the live stream that Jin made us. Go scan Jin also one wants in to make a poster, up. Joel. We had talked about having a poster, like for once we get year-end stats together. Uh-huh. Yeah, sort of. So we can <sighs> have a really cool infographic, you know, like. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking we could make an infographic. Those things are getting so cliched. I hope. I, I hope they, they still so have overdone. Them this year. I or think by the time we make it, though, it will be. You know, so it passes prime, so it will be hipster cool again. It'll so. be ironic. <laughs> it'll be, yeah. it'll be we'll do it ironically. <laughs> we'll do it ironically. I love it. Um, I was cool. all excited about that, and then Joel just sort of made it sound really bad. Sound no, no, <laughs> sorry, it's not. It's, it's just that they're they're. No, no, I like things that are cliche, and I I feel like I suck. <laughs> wow, for that reason. I know. <laughs> On the upside, uh, I was, I was like, really like, excited about that. That's okay. I've done that to Joel so many times. This is like my just desserts. Joel will be really excited about something. No, that's dumb. He's like, oh. I can't believe that they have a picture of George and they're claiming that it's you. Yeah. I was going to say, they, they're pretty twins. You know, like they look they the same. Look pretty much almost exactly the same. I think I'm the size of that shotgun on his shoulder. But. Is, that, is there something wrong with the Stack Exchange about page? Maybe it needs some, um, some web design work on there. Uh, it does. It definitely uh, does, actually. About management team team, ah oh, man, come on! It's pretty obvious which one is you. I think it was probably the a joke that the. No, they just copied. They just copied the wrong image. Oh, okay. Shows Here. what I know. This is what he actually looked like. Ta-da! Yeah, oh wait, somebody already fixed it. You, you said I looked like a zombie once, Joe. I was just. I mean, hurt my feelings. It's just the coloring in this picture. You look utterly purple. Really? I, I, I say, if anything, pale. it's a little Michael Jackson. I can't believe you just said that. It's like, that's <laughs> my nickname through college. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, you've got, it's just with the long hair and like covering up the face a little bit. And it's uh, purple, and you're purple in this picture. Come on, let's let MJ rest in peace. Let's, uh, let's yeah, come too, up with a, a substantive question. Yeah, so let me Alex, give you some too background. soon. <laughs> too soon, Alex. Not too, cool. soon. too soon. I have some. Uh, I have some. Um, I have some questions. Okay. Uh, no, I don't know about the podcast. That like everyone on Jeff says we should talk about that on the podcast, and I put it on my list of things things to talk about on the podcast. So I have some oh, things have here. S- oh, go go ahead. Yeah. Well, um, we talked about this a little bit last week, but the um, remember when Eric uh, Eric Lippert asked a question about. Um, 
uh, answered a question, and it became super popular, and it just got a billion votes. We talked about this right. last week, which was five minutes ago for me. Right. <laughs> this is going to be the second bad podcast in a row. <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. So, so the question you're asking is, okay, it was essentially a bad question that was asked. It was a question that was asked dozens of Oh, that is, that is right. There was, a, there was a bad question that was asked, and it was bad for several reasons. One is because it was just sort of a, why does my code do this? But secondly, because it was a dupe. And Millions that in itself was sort of interesting. It wasn't really a dupe that many times over. One of the things that I noticed okay. is that there was a lot of, uh, there's a lot of aggressive close as duping because two questions have the same answer, but not the same question. So essentially, the person said, I wrote this code and it had this weird behavior. Why did it have this behavior? And there was somebody else that had asked some completely other question, but it had the same weird behavior for the same reason. So once you understood how locals are stored in C, you would get that those two questions are both resolved by the same answer, but they're not. That doesn't make them dupes. Those are two separate questions. Well, that's not entirely fair. I think you would explain the context of the question a bit more than that. It was a question about in C, when you have yeah. a pointer to a memory location, that is you don't on, explicitly erase it. it. It hangs around. I mean, it's still there in memory. Yeah. And well, let's be... kind of like C101. I mean, this More, is not yeah. like a super interesting question. And it's almost like, you know what it's like, Joel, the mm. question, why doesn't point seven nine 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 equal 8? Or no, no, why does point seven yeah, nine, yeah, yeah. nine You know, basically the float question is like, look, Except, these floats aren't, aren't matching. What the hell? There's something wrong with the compiler. You know, <laughs> you know how many times that's asked on second level, or at least once a day? <laughs> okay. So it's a beginner question. It, it, beginner it's a beginner question. Have many, 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 many forms. And what's interesting is that Eric came along and just for whatever reason decided I'm going to answer this once and for all, which is something we've always encouraged, the canonical answer, and wrote um, you know, an encyclopedia quality explanation of how memory works and a, this wonderful metaphor about hotel rooms and stuff that got, must have gotten linked to from somewhere because everybody came in and voted it up until it had like 9 million upvotes. It was an excellent answer. And this is also another sort of example of what I call turning lead into gold, where you, you start with a kind mm -hmm. of a bad question. It may not bad, but just really mediocre or dupe. It really doesn't belong. It doesn't deserve to exist, really. And then somebody comes in and leaves this brilliant, they transmute it. They turn it from lead into gold. They make it into this amazing thing. Right. Um, and that's tough to deal with because for a couple of reasons. One is you're teaching people. You can ask the worst imaginable question and get an <laughs> Eric amazing Lipper's answer for you. For those of you like that are listening to this podcast and don't know, Eric Lipper is like the, the architect of C-sharp at Microsoft or something and the creator and He's also a very, very good writer. Script. It's and a good writer. It's just that. He's also yeah. an excellent communicator, an excellent writer. I've followed his blog for a long, long time and you know, yeah. him, him of the Years. purple font and the, the Tilly hat. Yeah. Um, and he's a great guy. I mean, and, and I don't begrudge him his right to drop this brilliant diamond in our lap, but in some sense, it's almost like winning the lottery. It teaches people that winning the lottery is a viable life strategy. That all <laughs> to do is ask these bad questions over so are eventually. we supposed to kill people that win the lottery? Yes. <laughs> no. But I think you have to acknowledge that, look, this was kind of a lottery. This isn't normal. Like, what you're seeing on this question is highly unusual. Um, normally, for this kind of question, we would just totally close this as a duplicate and say, look, you know, yeah. very politely, there's yeah. five and other questions. come to your house. <laughs> So I think, and what Joel was objecting to was the community was kind of, there's a little bit of backlash that this particular question was getting so much attention when in reality it is kind of a duplicate. Um, and it, it, it had a great answer. Nobody was disputing that. But 
I think you have to understand sort of the sociology of, of yeah. communities and QA to understand sort of why there was a little bit of backlash over that question. So one of the sociology I remember, which is, is that is that the uh, the um, programmers are very uh, what's the word to use here? literal minded i guess you know they're very like rules oriented and they're like i don't care if that's the best answer in the world i am closing this question because it's a dupe and they're not entirely wrong that's the thing um, they're they're kind of right in the minuscule kind of well yeah yes it's a dupe but you know much more good will come to the world if we leave it open because it's got an awesome answer yeah and alex i'm gonna put the link to the actual post we're talking about in the uh chat here ah. so they can be in the show notes thank you very much and it, he actually went back and updated it because it was sort of a short but good answer and then he's like my goodness this answer is getting a lot of attention i'm not sure why i considered it just to be a fun little analogy but whatever <laughs> yeah uh, because you really well this is one thing that we really hoped would happen a lot more often and it happens fairly rarely i mean you can count on two hands how often this happens which is that somebody takes um somebody wants to write a canonical awesome explanation of something and instead of just like writing it on a blog post where nobody will see it or whatever. You go and you try to find somebody that's asking and you know one example of this canonical question on the on our network and then answer it. Um, so you know I did that on on startups a couple of times, which is I, I started getting annoyed that there were there were just dozens of questions about how do you split split up the equity in a startup, like who gets what percentage, and I have a you know, a theory of that. And I wanted to write the theory of that, but rather than answer all 14 questions, I just picked the one that seemed the most, um, canonical, like the most generic. And I think I might've even edited it to be a little bit more generic than it already was. And I answered it with a canonical, here is a general rule for splitting up the equity in a startup, which, you know, got linked to so on and so forth. And now until the end of time, when everybody asks some variation on that, um, you know, people will just point back to my canonical answer. And that's kind of what we want to happen. But there were other canons here. I mean, that's the problem, is the canons compete. Like, I started a religion. We both have the yeah. same god. My god is kind of like yours, but just a tiny bit better. Well, that's, right? that's why we keep the question open, so it can have multiple answers and people can vote. No? Right, and, and, and that's fine. But, but I just want to point out that, strictly speaking, there was a canon. There's already a canon. So what happened is a competing religion got started. Oh, you mean because there was somebody had already answered this question in yes, a not Yes, this was way. definitively answered in other places. This oh, okay. is a better definitive answer, but the point is that's a disruptive process. I mean, it's unavoidable. So we, yeah, we had to merge them, and it wasn't the cleanest thing in the world because then the answer wasn't exactly the same because the one person asking it had used different variable names as the other. Well, we merged it with another question, I believe. That that's the that tricky. Had that's exact same subtle. code with different variable names, <laughs> but it that's was the exact same code. That's right. That's the other subtlety is we, we merged two questions together that were essentially the same question of, you know, why is memory still around? Um, yeah. And one of the answerers kind of objected because his answer did make specific reference to things about the code mm-hmm. in the other question that weren't kind of true anymore. I mean, in the spirit of it was still correct. I agree with you. But being a programmer, he was like, okay, this is no longer technically correct. My answer has been sort of eviscerated in a way that I don't like. It makes me look dumb because I'm answering the wrong question now all of a sudden because you merged my answer with that other. Yeah. That's the tricky part of this whole duplicate scenario. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, 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 it really takes concerted effort to write a generic canonical question and answer pair. Now, there is something that's really important that people understand, which is that we're trying to not be like those forums. Like, I think everybody in the world has this idea that it's okay just to have as much rubbish as you want on the Internet 
and, and that's just better. As long as there's good stuff there, then Google will find it. And if there's bad stuff there, then Google somehow magically won't find it. And it's okay just to generate all kinds of good and bad things, um, you know, as much as you want. And we don't really believe that. Like, I think we've, we kind of feel like leaving bad pages around on the internet is uh, an attractive nuisance. If anybody lands on that page, it's going to cause them some, some harm, you know? So, um, so we're always, we're not believers that it's just like, all right, let, let, it's fine just to have 5,000 people all asking the same question in awkward ways. Like go to Yahoo Answers and search for uh, how do you boil corn on the cob? And I think there's like 900 examples. First of all, you should never boil corn. corn. Um, but uh, fine, you're boiling the corn on the cob. Um, it just, just on Yahoo Answers alone, that question gets asked every single day. And, you know, it doesn't, usually doesn't get answered. But why is all that energy towards answering that question scattered across hundreds of pages? That's, that's much worse than if there were a canonical awesome page about boiling corn on the cob. And, and, and the same is true on our site. It's like at some point we just don't want that question again if it's already there at all. Because it's just going to take away eyeballs that could be staring at this one the one great answer or the one answer that we can all edit and agree is going to be the place where we keep our collective knowledge. Well, the, it's kind of in between. I mean, you, you don't want too many for sure. But I think having just one is also kind of tough because... Yeah, you, you, want, you definitely want all the different phrasings, all the different possible wordings of the question. Um, you know, different... You know, people, people may have trouble finding, expressing the question that they're having and express it using different, completely different words. And you want to have an entry in Google for, for both, both of those. That's right. So, and there actually is a blog entry for this. Uh, uh, I think it's a Dr. Strange dupe, how I learned to stop worrying and love a little bit of duplication. So, I, and, and that's my lesson is like, don't try to reduce everything to one because that's so painful. It's like, there can be only one question about, you know, memory allocation in, in C. Um, that's not really the way the world works. But on the other hand, the poison of having, okay, there's 10, there's 12, there's, there's seven. That's too many. And right. this is really hard for programmers because they really can't, most of them can't see the world as this, this gray scale. It's like, okay, <laughs> there has to be one or there has to be an infinity. There can be no in between. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. It's just, it's okay. Six. Six is the correct number. Five, six, you know, four. It's, it's very tough to deal with, but good advice. And the Eric Lippert is, uh, answer and question pair is a good example of that process sort of materializing. So do we have um, any questions for Jin from the chat room? Um, I, uh, I'm asking them. Hey, chat room. Do you have any questions for Jin? Jin? Yes. Are you still with us? Yes, I've been listening. How did you yeah. come to be employed by the Stack Exchange world? Collective. I, I begged. I begged and begged. No. Um, well, did beg uh, a little, actually. Do you remember that? You did, uh, you did kind of have, Oh, yeah. my God. Yes, I do remember now. Yes, and uh, because I remember this past year, you posted some links to designers applying for these um, high-profile design companies, and they they customize a one-pager you know, on their site, just tailored to the company. And I, I was telling you, I did that over, uh, over a year ago when, when I applied true. for Stag Exchange. Yeah, Jin sort of invented that. He actually created a website that was his application to work at Stag Exchange, um, just like totally I, custom. Yeah, yeah, I remember I had a photo say, hi, Joe. If you're ever trying to our audience listeners, if you're ever really trying to get a particular job, it is unbelievable how much that will, that will help. Right. And in, in fact, I've been meaning to write a blog post on this because I've, I've been reading you know, these designers' blogs on how to find the perfect job. And because what I think is you, if, you have, if you are working somewhere and you know you're looking for a job, chances are 
you already want to get out there already. You're just looking for the next perfect job before you put in your resignation letter. So it's better to find that one company you truly want to work for and mm-hmm. you know create a site. Don't pass your resumes to 50 different companies because chances are you'll just land another job that's like your previous one, you know? Yeah. One thing I, um, one of the reasons I, you know, I look at a lot of resumes and get a lot of cover letters and um, I, I, there are an enormous number of people these days who are applying to hundreds of jobs at once, both because it's so easy just to cut and paste or mail merge or whatever. I mean, it's just not that hard if you're dedicated to apply to 100 or 200 jobs, but, um, but also because they can't get jobs. <laughs> That's why they have to, or, or they're just trying to, they're trying to optimize without thinking very hard. And to an employer, if somebody appears to be applying to a hundred or a thousand jobs, I say to myself, there are two reasons for this. Either they're having trouble getting a job, which means there's something wrong with them, which means I don't want to hire them. Or if they're good, they're applying to hundreds of jobs. They're going to get dozens of offers. And why would they come work for me? So in either case, I don't want to spend time with this person. It's just not, not worth it. And so the opposite is that you say to a company, hey, I especially want to work for you. And this is the only place where I'm applying. And look at all the effort I've gone to just to create this one application for this one company um, that's really superbly awesome. And believe me, if you interview me and you like me, you will, I will come work for you. So that's sort of, you know, part of it is that sort of implicit promise that like, you're not going to have to sell me on the company I'm already sold. And, uh, and it's flattering to the, to the employer. So those are all reasons why that works really well. In fact, we're thinking of, uh, I'm keep trying to pester the careers 2.0 team to do something like that, to make it, um, to make it possible to create a cover letter for a job application that lives with your careers 2.0 profile. Um, so you can actually write a custom cover letter for each person that you're applying to. Right. Just to clarify, the, the other thing that happened with Jen was that Jen and I have a, have known each other for a long time. Um, we, we worked together when Jen was in a previous life when Jen was a purely a developer, uh, with designery looks about him. <laughs> and, and we well, had been would, talking about yeah. this and, and I don't know how much, detail we want to get into Jen about the background and stuff but it just seemed like a good fit in terms of the things Jen was good at and Joel at the time we were designing area51.stackexchange.com oh yeah and I said I said to Jen you know you have an inside line because I know you and I like you uh, but the way to prove that you can do this is to help us solve a problem that we actually have which is kind of cheating right I mean Joel Jen had access to me you couldn't just go to some company and guess what they're working on and, and do it uh, but that's kind of what happened here is we said, look, you know, come up yeah. with a design for Area 51 that looks good. That'll be your pitch. It's like, okay, this is why we should work for you guys. And what Jen designed was basically Area 51. When you go to Area 51 now, not the art. Like the art, that was something, what's the name of the guy, Terry? Terry Cullen. Terry Cullen. Terry Cullen did the art, but the layout and the, sort of the webby, you know, the colors, the, the fonts, the layout, that was all Jen's uh, work. Uh, yeah, he basically really, took like six or seven illustrations that Terry Cullen did and ter- converted them to like a whole web design that just feels like a very organic theme throughout the Area 51 site. It's the all those for those of you in, in the listening audience. If you haven't been to Area 51, there's a really awesome kind of UFO alien theme going on there, and definitely you want to check that out. I mean, that was and that was I think a huge success. I was very excited um, about that, as was everybody. I, I think. And the but there's also a way to do this wrong, actually, Jin, which is the uh, Dustin Curtis way. <laughs> With all respect to Dustin Curtis, this is the, the style in which you write a very prominent blog post in which you eviscerate some big company's web design and you show how you could do it much, much better. And then you create a web design that is, you know, obviously much, much better than 
you know, 37 Signals did it for FedEx and Dustin Curtis did it for American Airlines. He's like, hey, American Airlines, you guys suck. Right. And Here, here's a much better American Airlines homepage that doesn't have any of the functionality or meet any of the actual business, business needs of American Airlines, but sure looks good. Right. I lost count of how many designers uh, redesigned Craigslist. <laughs> it's a fascinating one, actually. Right. Craigslist is brought up a lot, and uh, it's often used as an example of a successful site with a terrible design. But uh, as I blog about once, I'm not sure even if Craigslist gets redesigned, uh, is it really going to help them? Or I, I don't see much impact, really. In fact, it's non-design design is kind of like it's branding now. Mm-hmm. It, it absolutely is. It's totally what they're what they're basically saying is, I mean, design sends a message, and it's just a communications channel where you basically you know position yourself in the in the mind of the person who's visiting the site. And you're, what Craigslist is saying is that like the the superficial things like design are just not important to us. What we care about is giving you a list of apartments that are available for rent. Right. And, 37% of which are scams. And giving you a list of prostitutes available in your area will come to your house and give you a massage <laughs> and maybe some more. And, and, that's, and it's, like we, it, it's not that, it, it's, it's just that you've, you've probably seen on the internet, that especially in the Craigslist time era, you've probably seen 5 million web pages that are machine generated bad. Like here's some apartments for rent in your area and then there's nothing there. Like great design, zero content. So, you know, for them to position themselves against that is actually a form of design. Right. And I've read a lot of blogs on by designers or even programs on design critiques. And I, what I find is people uh, always read it in this uh, dichotomy type of way. You either, you know, they always say this side is just all fluff, it's done by designers, you know, with no content, or this side is useful but ugly, but done by programmers. But I think it's 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 a combination of those two you know it really makes a great product right right there's definitely and there's no question that like things which are ugly can have their purpose in design as well it does it's not always about beautiful so for example the viking stove right which just looks industrial and it doesn't belong in a kitchen but but lo and behold the the fanciest kitchen owners who have the hand carved wood cabinets you know brought over from england um you know and this eight million dollar Italian tile are still going to throw in that industrial Viking stove because it sends a message that it's like I need an industrial stove because that's how important cooking is to me and that's kind of more important than having the stove match the kitchen or have it look nice it 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 it, it the, the, the the message that it's sending through its design which isn't always about being beautiful or matching sure I, and I just think it's really hard to uh, give a really good design critics you can't just Go to the side for five minutes and say this site is either well designed or or badly designed. And I guess you can say whether the aesthetics matches your own personal preference, you know. And I think everybody has that. That's fine. But to truly evaluate design, you really have to use it, you know, because design isn't just about how pretty it looks. And I mean, there's so many other things about the design. Is it useful? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how is it fast? You know. Because I can go to the best uh, polished site, but if the site's slow, I just leave. <laughs> but there are so many factors, right. and I, you know, I used to be one of those designers. I would go to the site, and I would just be really cynical and say, "Oh, this design sucks." You know that the kerning's off. You know why does the pixel line? <laughs> so I've, 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 you know, I've become a lot more relaxed now because I, I, you know, I, I just don't. I'm not that anal about the small details anymore. I think the overall design direction is more important. 
Right, right. And one thing what is, I um, want to say, let me, mm-hmm. let me actually interject here because I think this is a really good point. That one thing I really enjoy about working with Jen and I worked with a handful of designers, and, and, and generally experience is all good. I don't want to say anything negative because I, it wasn't negative. But one of the things I like about Jen is he's very pragmatic about, you know, look, this is the job we can do in the time that we have, you know, versus the, the platonic ideal of the way things should be, which can be very frustrating. I've had minor run-ins, even at a previous job when they were doing a redesign, and the designers are often sort of on a different plane. You know, they're, they're working in a level of abstraction that you don't really have as a developer, when you're trying to sort of get things done and get it deployed to the server and get it to work with JavaScript and all that stuff. Um, and Jen is a joy to work with in this regard because he's very, very pragmatic about, okay, this is what we can do. We'll fix more of it later, but, you know, this is progress. And right. there is a tendency to get, and, and programmers do it too, right, Joel? Like, oh, this is not pure. We can't do this. This is, this is crappy code. This is highly impure. I, I, force, I forsake all this effort that you're doing, and I will, I will no longer speak of it with you. <laughs> Uh, and just, you know, it's to focus on just getting reasonable design out there, and you know, continually iteratively improving it. It's been I, really I think work. the the difference with this job, uh, <laughs> well, first of all, it, I think it's the the most challenging job I've had, but it's also the most rewarding, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, but the the workflow is nothing like I've ever seen from my previous jobs because in my previous jobs, the typical flow is you spend months and months to work on a prototype, get the polish, and then and get the site launched, you know? And then if something breaks, then it takes a while to fix it too, where uh, with the stack change size, it's the opposite, because most of the stuff we ship is not like 100% perfect, but it doesn't matter because we can fix it right away within days, you know? If somebody reports a bug on Meta, normally that bug is fixed with in the next build. Um, yeah. So I think there's a, um, a Japanese philosophy, you know, where I think that GM adopted too, where it's like constant improving. It's not, you don't have to ship the perfect thing. In fact, it's almost impossible, but you need to ship it first and then refine it. Yep. Um, continuous improvement, it's called. Kaizen? Yeah. Kaizen, that's the word. Yeah. Because there, there was a really good episode of, of This American Life with Eric Glass, and that the episode was on GM, you know, I think it was the late 70s or 80s when they weren't doing well, and they actually hired, uh, they partnered up with Toyota, and they had this uh, yeah. car plant, and that was such a good episode to listen to, I, I need to find the link. Yeah, it was a whole hour about that, because they finally closed that plant. Um, right, it was a sad story, but it was just really cool, and because... Yeah, it was called the NUMI, the NUMI site, N-U-M-M-I. Um... The other thing I want to mention is that good design doesn't have to be super, super complicated. Like, what I try to teach the guys on my team, and, you know, we're programmers, and we realize that, okay, programmer design is only going to be so good. I get that. Um, <laughs> so good, really? Yeah, so a very basic level of okay. Uh, design, some of the design principles are not that hard. Like, like A, just make sure everything lines up. Like, I, I sat sure. down, when we were first finishing up Stack Overflow, uh, Nathan Bowers, another great designer that we worked with before he sat down with me like at my house because he was in the area that was the first time i had met him i think and i was like oh you know go over this with me i can pay you or whatever and half of the advice he gave me was like this isn't lining up this isn't lining up and you just you you, you don't see it i think as a developer because you're just looking at other things but once you can learn to see a little bit like a designer like okay just make the the baseline of design is like alignment <laughs> i think i mean and yeah, just yeah, getting that across my team yeah. Just start with like making sure stuff lines up, and then 
that's a baseline for it. It can it'll it may still be ugly, but at least it'll be lining up ugly, which is an improvement. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a great book by Robin Williams, not Mark, called uh, the Non Designers Design Book. Um, and it's got some of those basic principles, which are like, you know, just enough that you can learn how to do design that's not, you know, extremely bad. I mean, you're not going to become a designer in 10 minutes, but things like, um, you know, don't make ransom note pages that have about a million different fonts. Just pick two fonts and make them super different. Like one really large, bold, colorful font and one like small, you know, just live with those two fonts basically. Um, Try, uh, you know, one of the things that Robin Williams said is, uh, you know, just try leaving things out. Like, start with your design and then see how many things you can cut out. Like, if there's a, you thought it would be really cool to have a horizontal line there, just cut out the horizontal line and see if it looks better. And half the time it does, if not more. Um, and a bunch of other sort of basic principles like that about guiding the eye, using white space. Um, again, thinking about alignment. Um, I think design is... Well, let me just piggyback on that, Joel. I think design is everybody's yeah. job. I mean, I, I do defer to Jen. I mean, I hassle him about little things that bother me, and he's very, very nice to work with me and not give me shit about this. But uh, um, I do think design is everyone's job, uh, not to the extent that everybody should be a designer, but like making sure that you're trying to produce something reasonably designed uh, without necessarily you know, going to the designer. Like, I, I, throwing up your hands saying, I don't know how to design. I'm just going to throw some crap on the page. <laughs> It's like, no, no, no. Put together just a really reasonable, basic design, and then have Jen look at it and make it awesome, like extra awesome, right? Uh, yeah. In that sense, design is everybody's job. And if you see something that's not lining up, or if you see a kerning problem, or you see some obvious, you know, what you think is an obvious layout problem, just let us know. Because we want it to look good, like attention to detail. Um, we do try to look at our sites all the time. And when I see little things that bother me or that, you know, can be improved, I... I try to get them in there and that yeah i would say you're in some aspects you're even bigger than i am <laughs> I, I was just gonna let it go and then you just send me five emails about something that's right. fine i'll change it uh, but i mean i agree, totally agree with what you said um because working with some of the other developers in the company for example at the new york devs on the careers and what i realized was they're i would call them designers too i mean obviously they don't do the the graphical part you know but when I was working with Dave and Emmett, when we were coming up with Warframe mockups, I was really impressed by, you know, how how much they care about the, these small details. And obviously, their role is programming, but you know, they work with me on the flow of the pages, even the copy on the site. You know, say, is this more friendly than that one? So we went through a whole bunch of iterations. So it is really everybody's job. I have uh, there's a question in the chat room which I want to get, get to which is uh, um, Brant asked how do you maintain 30 designs with all their layout bugs and everything like that without going completely insane so I guess he means like every stack exchange that has graduated out of beta has its own custom design do you want to talk a little bit about like technically um, how how that how that works behind the scenes uh, technically it got a little bit easier because we uh, we we use less for all of our CSS so we have this one master less file that's you know, because every site pretty much has the same structure. You know, like, uh, it's only the small details that are different, like header image, text, or link colors. Mm -hmm. And then we have a separate uh, less file for each site, and we override the master one. What is what is less? Less is uh, it's a uh, it's it's basically like think of a CSS with the variables. It's then you, the the output is still pure CSS file, but on the server side, you can say the site background is red then it applies everywhere or this link color is red then you can reuse it so it just makes css work mm -hmm. a little easier ben uh set that up so it's basically um it's basically a little 
language for CSS. Uh, sort, you, uh, sort of. The, the beauty, isolate. right? Yeah. The, the the good thing about less uh, is if we are adding some new features, say uh, a new pop up, instead of changing the in the old way, you will have thirty some different .css files, and then you will have to make thirty different changes. But now we just change in one place because all the uh, child CSS reads the main master less file. Mm-hmm. What um what is uh that's cool. So, how big is a typical file that describes the differences for like one particular site? Like you've got these little tiny. I guess they're they're pretty small, right? Like the file that describes what's unique about. Uh, uh, it depends on the design, of course. The the Apple side was a monster. What Jeff would oh, know. really? <laughs> um, the other sites are not as complicated. What's so What's so special about the Apple site? I don't want to talk about the Apple site. <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about. That. It's, uh, it's okay. It's it was cool. it was a very complicated design. I mean, I, I liked yeah. it, but I looked at it and was like, I was like, holy crap! I mean, I I have to admit, I uh, I I went a little bit crazy on that one because it, it, the CSS the CSS conversion work was almost like two other SE sites combined. Um, uh-huh. So, but then I put the, the original design. I made it simpler. Yeah, no, I'm happy with the current design. I think it looks quite good. I just my main deep concern was it was just it was a lot of work. I mean, it was like like Jen said, almost two sites in one. Um, but it looks really good to your credit, Joel. I mean, I'm, uh, I mean, uh, Jen, I'm very happy with it. The other thing I want to mention is we we did have a design we had to I don't want to say throw away because we may use it later, but the physics design we had to abandon. <laughs> oh yeah, we should probably uh, talk about. That. We should probably, um, but that was just a it was like uh, a chalkboard well, theme, right? Yeah, what we learned is that that white on black designs, black background designs, are very difficult to pull off. Yeah, and it also kind of depends on the audience. Like we. Because even Jen, if you think about it, gaming has a black background, but the the main body stuff is not really black background. So that sure. might have been the first time we had done that. Really, I think it was. I have seen you know the dark theme sites I like, but typically those are you know photography sites. Even if they do have text, it's really oh, short yeah. amount. Uh, you don't actually read them; you just scan through them. It's not like our site where there are long texts you have to read over and over again. So it is tiring on the eye. Yeah, and then I we got I sort of and I blame me partially is uh, this this concept of the chalkboard I thought was really cool because Sketchy okay so Sketchy is what we call our design for all the beta sites and it's, I think that's a classic design everybody loves that design that's mm-hmm. your masterwork Jen I think that's a brilliant design it'll, it was actually you know, the, uh, you and Joe's idea I just remember mm-hmm. I think this time last year we, we were talking about how these beta sites should I look. take I take full credit matter. really it's completely our idea up to is, <laughs> the idea is it's the execution the execution is yeah. really good. We were trying to. We were just trying to come up with an idea for a design that could be used for any site, and that sort of s- 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 sent the message of this is a beta, this is temporary. There's going to be something coming along. So it was all. It was basically the graph paper and pencil, you know, everything handwritten, kind of pencil-y look. Right, and we'd also looked just for inspiration. One thing that I enjoy working with Jen is like just finding sources of inspiration, like. The topic is X, like, and you just think about all the things that you think about when you think about X, like bicycles you're doing now, right, Jen? Right. Yeah. See, that's to me that's the hardest part of this whole design process because starting started last September to May this year, <laughs> I pretty much designed one site per week, basically from nothing to shipping. Uh, so that that was really challenging because some topics I knew really well, like gaming, because I play games, and cooking, I. I go to restaurants. I cook myself, so I, I had a pretty good idea how those uh, visually how those sites should look. But then I would get these sites like theoretical computer science, or you know, or, or yeah. 
other high-level topics I, have, I know nothing about. That's a so, really good design, by the way, the theoretical computer science. It's very meaningful to, to computer science theory, actually. So yeah, popping the, the stack a tiny bit, I, I, I want to mention, so because yeah. Sketchy worked, we were like, oh, Blackboard, you know, chalk. If you think of famous physicists like Richard Feynman, I mean, he was always in front Feynman, of Feynman, 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 Feynman. You know, I'm the mispronunciation king, what can I say? I know, I like to um, do that once an episode, correct? Yes, pronunciation there has to be something that I pronounce wrong. <laughs> uh, but the, the Blackboard thing seemed like it really made sense. And I think it did, like, in, in theory, but the practice was it's just hard to read white text on a black background. And I think some, yeah. some members of the community objected to it, it was a little bit, you know, high school looking, you know, in terms of, okay, yeah. it's chalk on a... It does just give you a headache, yeah. Um, and eventually I, was, I came to agree with them. Initially I resisted because I was like, wait, you're just, you're just rejecting this. You're not giving it a shot. Um, but over time there was, a, there was a lot of dissent. And, you know, eventually I was like, okay, fine. Uh, and then ultimately I came to agree with them. It's, it's just too fatiguing. Right. I, I still, I still, uh, go, I'm still going to make a new theme for the physics community. Hey, um, Jen, you can look at uh, today I was just spending a lot of time on dpreview.com which is a gigantic uh, digital photography uh, site. And mm -hmm. they have a black background for a lot of stuff, but for the body text, they just flip it over to, to black on white text. Uh, you know, not, not the headings or anything, but the body text, they have to just do white on black uh, in the forums at least. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I like that, but there is something... The articles aren't, though. I'm looking at their camera views. The articles are just uh, white on black. Mm -hmm. Yeah, white on black. Interesting. A lot of photography sites do use dark theme. Um, that's just another thing. I think if some size is really valuable, they, pro they provide really good service, and they can look like whatever they want. <laughs> look at the, the 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 Drudge Report, you know, and yeah, the correct list, and the information is so valuable that we'll. Well, I'm looking at DP Review. I see what you're saying, Joel. That's almost like your Apple design, Jen, where it's like sort of everything is indented. And there's like a, it, it, but it looks nice. It looks designed. You know, it doesn't look like crappy, the average crappy. It, but, but the truth is, this, this white on black, this bla the black on white text in the forums on Deep Review is, so, is sort of out of place and kind of gives you these big white holes all over the place, which makes you think that that was probably a compromise that, you know, there was probably the original design <laughs> might have added black on, black on white and, or white on black. And That's a very, very good complaints. point. So anyway, what we've learned is that the black background is very risky, and we're going to be really um, cautious in the future. I thought one user made a really good comment about the that chalkboard theme. Is I think he said something like he really likes the design. Actually, he doesn't mind the site how the site looked. But what the problem he had was when he stared at the black, the dark theme site for a while. Then when he goes to the other site, you know, ninety percent of them are white, and he just his eyes can't just take it, you know. So yeah, I thought that was actually, a good like, point too. I think that one thing that's, that, that's a, a, a standard flaw of, of designers is a lot of them are very young, um, and they're using Macs, and, and Macs have a, a different, like if you use the same point size, it's going to look larger on a Mac than it's going to look on Windows. Is that still the case, or is that the, the is that boldness? In the past? I call it the everything bold, but that is true, yeah. basically. And also, yeah. the other thing to think about, most Well, Macs what happens is that people end up designing, like these 23-year-old 20, designers end up designing for 23-year-old eyes, and then the 45-year-olds look at it, and they just can't read it, or it's just painful to read, or it's just too small. And the designers are so convinced that it looks awesome. I uh, think it's a lot better these days, because actually, the, the, these days, the trend is the, the big types. You know, everything's like at least 14-point body, body size. Yeah. But I remember uh, when I was younger, uh, doing web design, the late 90s and or early 2000s. Mm -hmm. 
and everybody used the, the eight point silk screen pixel. Yeah, it was all about it was all about six six forty by four eighty, and you don't want to use pure black because that's such a cliche. Let's use you know, you know pound uh, uh, a a a a a or whatever that that you know light gray is, and it was um, it's getting hard to read <laughs> the internet in those days. <laughs> Well, the other thing I want to mention is most Macs have pretty high quality uh, LCDs, right? And a lot of PCs don't, and that does make a big difference for color rendering. That plus the the font rendering tends to be bolder on the Mac. So yeah, we Jen's gotten better about this, but we actually bought him a whole other PC just to make sure. That <laughs> I do well, I do test on the PC, and I but I right. think Windows Seven their clear type is a little bit more complicated now, right? Because um, Vista or uh, XP, it's just on or off, but with Windows 7, you can actually fine-tune it some more uh, to your own personal. Oh, you've always been able to fine-tune it. It just wasn't in the Windows user interface. There was a website you went to, believe it or not, that oh, really? actually oh. lets you tune the clear type on your home page, on, on, your, on your desktop. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it was always tunable, and it had to be because um, in the old days, people had LCDs with different um, pixel configurations, like the R, G, and the B were in different orders on different screens. And if you didn't tune it, you would just get horrible effects from the clear type. The clear type is basically an attempt to um, you know, turn on and off individual elements, the red, green, and blue, uh, separately. Right. Uh, so when Another you look thing, really, really, really closely, there's sort of Another a color I, effect. I wanted to mention is that we do involve outside designers. If Jen finds... Um, we try to find designers from the community. Like, for example, when we did we did this for WordPress, is that right, Jen? No, English, English okay. UX, English and UX. So we worked with outside designers that kind of had a connection to the given community. Uh, particularly in the case of UX, which I think UX came out amazing. That's probably one of our f my favorite sites that we have right. now. Dimitri wrote a blog post about his design process as well. Oh. That's really good read. Yeah, that was awesome because it was sort of the, and I'm, I'm sure this wouldn't work for every topic like homebrewing. It's not like you're going to have a designer in the homebrew community, but in the UX community, <laughs> you're going to have designers. Um, right, yeah. because I was trying to, because, you know, a lot of our programmers we hired within the community, and I, I tried to do the same, but I, I think our design sites, the traffic's not out there yet to find some, uh, too many good ones, but I still reach out to the web design community. Some, uh, web designer friends I've met over the years, and I kind of have a good feel about what kind of styles they're really good at. For example, uh, for our English side, uh, Alex Sherchard, I just I always love his work, love his blog, and I just knew he would do a really good job for the English side. Yeah, and I, I like English. I think it looks brilliant, um, and also uh, UX, also one of my favorites. So we're continuing to do that. Um, as we yeah, have opportunities to work with other designers oh. that, that Jin sort of vets and picks out and finds appropriate, we're still open to that. And don't we have like a sci-fi design sort of like in the vault, Jin, that's pretty cool? Yes, yes. I have big plans for, uh, no, I'm no RPG. I, I already have the header done. In fact, I, I contracted a uh, really good concept artist. I, I told him what I have in mind and he just did a really amazing header. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. I just have to wait, right? It's not in the middle. Yeah, yeah, I just have to wait. It, it, it looks kind of off to itself. You really have to look at the whole design. Um, We're probably going back into that, into that phase of having a new site every single week. Yes. Depends how often they launch, Joel. I mean, they still have to yeah. get to the point that there's... Just because we have a beta doesn't mean there's a mechanical that must be launched. <laughs> true, true. But we're, we're getting... Uh, we're getting, we're getting a lot of sites. Actually. 
Yeah. I think the next one being under discussion is is it, is it money? Oh, no. I think uh, it was to bicycles. Oh, bicycle. My bad, bicycles. That, and then money the is line. also semi on deck. Yeah. To be honest, I have no idea how I'm gonna design bicycles. <laughs> well, that's pretty typical. I normally have no idea. On bicycles is a great topic because there's so many really cool designs. The bicycle, from a design perspective, is it's been the same for a long time, and yet yeah. it's endlessly variations. You know, all these really cool variations of bicycles in history and now, and like it's it's a good model. I think you can come up with some really neat stuff for it. I have some ideas because for different site design, some the the approach is always different. Because as I said, for example, gaming and cooking, people have this really strong visual identification to that type of topics. And whereas for other sites, you know, it's uh, for example, math. What what what's the visual identity you think when you think of math? You know, some some topics are very abstract, so you just have to think about them uh, think about them differently. Like for example. The bicycles I was just thinking today. Do I really want you know, put your typical like bike uh, graphics on there, or or is it better to think about why people ride bikes bicycles to begin with? At least people in in this country, right? They don't because obviously you have a choice of driving cars everywhere, but people choose riding bicycles because it's a personal thing. You know, how does it feel when you ride a bicycle versus cars? You you sense the freedom. Um, your outdoors, so I kind of want maybe uh, get a design to reflect that type of feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, to me, it's fun because you're actually engaging with the communities. Like Jen actually goes on their meta and posts for the design concept, and sometimes those change, you know, based on the feedbacks uh, semi radically. But usually, Jen is so good that the community really likes what he's doing. But we do fold in community feedback. We work with the community to figure out. You know what's a good design? Like physics, physics is an extreme example of that where it just didn't work. And we kind of backed off. We're like, okay, this isn't working. You're right. Um, we're switching back to Sketchy for now. Actually, under the first side, side that did not work uh, was the programmer site. Remember, um, I had oh, I kind of blocked that out. Yeah, but that was really good exercise though because when I posted the first mockup of programmer site, I honestly I. I did. I was not in love with that design. I felt like I was kind of. It was a little bit cut out. Um, but then at the same time, I didn't really know what. I mean, I don't want make pro, make programmers. I look like a Dilbert's, you know, comic strip. That would be so <laughs> stereotypical. Yes, you do. Yeah, and so I just, I just thought, you know, if programmers love Stack Overflow, let's just make it somewhat like look like Stack Overflow with a little bit more coloring, slightly more polish. Uh, but then, uh, then I think you told me like. Uh, you didn't like it. I was like, yeah, I don't like it either. It really, it was lacking this soul. And I can't remember what was the first programmer site. Why? Did, why what was so bad about it? I think it was kind of like the Matrix. Joel. It was never launched. It was just a concept I posted on Meta. Yeah, but I think the spirit of the community is what it's about, and I think oh, that's yeah. why. That's why I like having these different designs. Is like each community is has its own soul. I mean, really. It's more than just okay. You're a, you're a topic on our engine. It's a group of people with shared values and shared interests, and they're there because they love this thing. And the design that, that, is an expression of that. I have to I have to run with that because um, th- just today I was checking out. Well, like when I said I was checking out TP Review, it was because I was looking at some of the competition for the photography site for our photography site. Um, and there's a famous one called Photo.net, which uh, uh, Phil Greenspun started as one of the very first online communities on the web, um, using originally LoseNet, which was his web-based implementation of Usenet. I mean, really, really basic, very, very simple software, and he just grew it into this amazing community of photography people and wrote these books about it. You know, the Phil and Alex's guide to making 
photo.net or whatever that book was called. Um, so Phil Greenspan, Philip Greenspan was a very sort of early web pioneer. Now he teaches people how to fly helicopters. But anyway, um, photo.net, I went to see what the hell's going on on photo.net because it used to be obviously this gigantic community and it was um, still kind of going strong. But I guess in 2007, four years ago, it was finally sold uh, to a company that um, speculates in domain names <laughs> and puts, you know, crappy homepages on random domain names, attempting to, you know, buy a domain name for $5 and then make $7 based on whatever crappy Google ads they have on the landing page. And they also then went and bought a few real sites that actually have some kind of content. But you got the feeling this is not a company with soul that is buying these sites or that gives a shit about photography, excuse me, for ruining our... Uh, our uh, um, Family-friendly rating family-friendly rating on the iTunes store. And there's something really strange that happens. Like, what, what happens to these sites? It, it, I, I it turns out that one of my favorite online forums um, is airliners.net, and that's been bought by Demand Media. So, like, what happens when these, like, really soulless large corporations that are just trying to churn revenue out of the Internet take over a community? Um, and, and do they, like, somehow beat the soul out of it? Does, do people still hang around on those sites and contribute some... Right. I, Love, think, I don't know what. I think the reason our sites are successful, uh, starting with Stack Overflow, is because of the community. And so when I design these sites, I think now I realize what I'm actually been designing as far as Stack Exchange 2.0 is. I'm not really just designing a website. I'm really giving each community a, a, an identity package. You know, um, website is just one of them because lately I've been doing T-shirt, you know, uh, sticker designs and. Uh, when they have a blog, I want to make sure their blog theme looks like their main site. So the branding has to be really consistent. So, um, I got another question for you, Jin, from the chat room. Um, Tim Stone asks, of all the reasonably stable betas floating around out there, I think uh, he means of all, the of all the Stack Exchange sites that are in beta right now, um, which ones are you most excited about designing? Um, or do you just start thinking about them when they're up for graduation? Are you thinking, is there anything you can't wait to design or anything you really like to do? Um, I would say the RPG side because <laughs> yeah. we spend the money on a really cool header. I really would like to see that site <laughs> graduate one day um, okay. because because that one of the sites that's probably going to be a little bit more graphical heavy than mm -hmm. the other ones. Because I but I, uh, I think it's fitting to do it that way. Uh, but normally when I, uh, I I spend a lot of time on the internet, <laughs> especially on our metas. I just. I go to every single site, look at their meta, and actually read some of the main site's questions, even though they are just beyond my comprehension. But the purpose is to get a feel of the personalities on that site, um, because every single site is different. Um, the yeah. community, the subculture is different. I think the personalities are different because of the subculture. If you go to math side, then you yeah. go to gaming side, you can... <laughs> It's completely two different subcultures. I like the way every time we're talking about the personalities, we, we bring up the math site as the example. <laughs> uh, usually in a positive way. Right, because, you know, for example, math, we're programmers, and people are very matter-of-fact, you know. Um, right. Because they are very engineering-minded, uh, whereas you go to gaming site, um, it's more relaxed, you know. Mm -hmm. For sure. Uh, Jeff, any other or anything else we should talk about on the podcast this week? Oh, we are. I, I want to mention we're doing anonymous feedback now. So if you oh. go to any Stack Exchange site and you're not logged in, you're an anonymous user, 
Or if you're a low rep user with 15 or less rep, which means you, ha you haven't earned the privilege to vote on anything yet, um, there's a little mouse over div that says feedback, and you can provide feedback, positive or negative. Wait, mine doesn't work. Oh, I see. Uh, you have to dismiss the little orange bar at the top. No, you should okay. dismiss the orange bar. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true. Let me try to repro. Uh, well, how come I don't get the orange bar that time? Actually, uh, there, yeah, there's a little... I see what you're saying. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I'm going to look at that. <laughs> I see what you mean. Okay. So so basically, um, we're, we were trying to capture... Um, you know, the only people that can upvote and downvote in our system are people with... What do they need? 10 rep. They don't, you don't need a lot of rep. You just need to 15. do something. 15 rep. And so all those anonymous, uh, the, the Google uh, users and stuff like that coming in, um, we, were, we were sort of... We had no opportunity to ca capture... Like, did you like this? Did you not like this? Is that the only yeah, thing? The only was thing it you supposed to was, you? Yeah. yeah. You could answer, which is, I mean, that's intentional. We want to funnel people towards the primary. I mean, what's the primary output of a Q&A system? It's really answers. Answers. Really answers, questions. right. So when you go to a, like, I'm, right now I'm on a page on Stack Overflow. It has no answers, and there's a big provide your answer box. We don't want to lose focus from that, right? Like, the focus of a Q&A system is to get answers. Uh, mm -hmm. But on the other hand, say this question is really bad. <laughs> they can't vote on it. They could say, look, this is not a useful question. Um, yep. And where this becomes really significant is when we have so much data in our system now, particularly on Stack Overflow, that we have posts, a lot of posts, that have no votes at all, no official votes from 15 rep users. Mm -hmm. So if we take those zero score posts and get, we were seeing like 27 to 30% of those getting new signal of anonymous people telling us, hey, this is good, hey, this is not so good. That's huge. We're mm -hmm. not entirely sure what we're going to do with it yet. But it, it's new signal where we had no signal before. Is, we should. We probably have enough of that to give to our math intern to uh, analyze. No, actually, we don't because we just started. Oh. Like, it was just a couple of days ago. It would need to be a couple of weeks before I would feel comfortable having anybody even look at it. Well, he's We're, going back to school, so hurry up. <laughs> you gotta keep him out of school, man. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. Get the kids out of school. You know, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm mentoring a company at TechStars with a bunch of dropouts that dropped out to start a company. It's, it's horrible. These kids, they go, they see the social network. They want to be Jesse Eisenberg. They're like, I have to drop out of school right now. Do a startup. Can't possibly wait two years. Nice. Nice. So I, I just want to mention that. So do give that a shot. Uh, let's see what you think. If you have feedback on the feedback f feature, if you have meta feedback, go to meta, meta feedback. There is a topic for that. And uh, we'll probably produce some stats on that at some point. Put on the There's an awful lot of stuff that over the years that we have sort of evolved to serve the meta audience kind of without, you know, we, we try, and you're going to break your thingamajiggy there. Producer Alex, you're, you're, you're making a disaster here. Sorry. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got it. We've got these little desks that move up and down when you push a button and he's moving his desk up and down, but he seems to have a fever or a, some kind of delusionary kind of thing because he's, he's, uh, He's, he's, the, little, the cables are falling off the back of his desk, and as he moves it up and down, he's sort of chopping off the cables. It's almost impossible to explain. Does anybody get what I'm saying? It sounds here? very Indiana Jones. Is there a big boulder going? <laughs> I was just staring at him the whole time he was saying that, trying to make him feel as awkward as possible, and I think I, I think it worked. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, well, Jen, I, I just want to say before we uh, finish up that Jen is a very integral part of what we do, and I'm, I'm integral. very happy to have. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's pronounced integral, Joel. 
and it's uh, 8164.org. Uh, and oh, that, also yeah. JZY, uh, JZY uh, on the, or at JZY on, on Twitter and the Foursquare and the, not Foursquare. And um, Friendster, Friend Feed, Six Degrees, Classmates.org. Yeah, Classmates.org. Look them up on Classmates. Yeah, thank, I you, for just, thank you for reminding me that I still have a blog site. I haven't blogged in so long. Oh, yeah. You're going to, we're, we're, we're not going to, yeah, we're going to create social pressure for him to blog about, uh, but about um, the, design the design process. I, actually, I started a draft last November, and I've tried to finish at least four separate occasions. And uh, what, what, I, what, I, what I was telling Jim, what did you think about this idea? You should make it a, a little video. It doesn't have to be a blog. Just have like 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 the New York Times does, like a sort of talk over where you have a bunch of slides. That's, that's like, so much and then I, is it harder? Really? That's bad advice. That's really bad advice. You think it's you think it's harder? You just make a bunch of slides and you talk over it. You practice three or four times. The fourth time it'll be awesome. Uh, that's up to you, Jen. But to me, that's harder. Yeah, I'll try to finish the the blog post. <laughs> um, also, um, Stack Overflow Dev Days coming up this fall. Don't forget to sign up devdays.stackoverflow.com and we'll be in Seattle. No, we're gonna be in Sydney, <laughs> San Francisco, Washington. All right, let's retape it again. And London. Not Seattle. If you're in Seattle, you will have to fly down to San Francisco. Or to Sydney. They can or fly to Sydney. to Sydney. That would be even better. You can fly Qantas. Apparently, they have an Airbus 380. That's the double-decker, gigantic aer- aeroplane. Dev days. Um, it would be really awesome. You know, I was just thinking the other day, like, well, like literally yesterday, there are so many dev technologies that I don't know anything about. Like, I don't know anything about how to develop for Facebook. I don't know anything about how to develop for iPhone. I don't know anything about... Uh, well, I know Mercurial, and I know that it's very much like Git, but I still don't really know anything about using GitHub. There's like so many cool dev technologies that it's just impossible to keep up with them. I just learned about less CSS. So um, uh, um, then that's the kind of stuff. Everybody, all the kids these days are using these things like uh, Nginx and um, Node.js and Hadoop. And I always made fun of Hadoop because I don't know what it is. And uh, Cassandra and, and so on and so forth. And it's like just keeping up with that stuff is like friggin' impossible. And if you're stuck in the kind of job where you just do Java all day long uh, or .NET um, because you're working on a legacy code base or just because that's what makes sense for your employer, um, it's really hard to keep up with the new stuff. And so that's the, that's the theme of Stack Overflow Dev Days is just to take a couple of days off and to get really high bandwidth, very high-speed tutorials um, so that you understand what those technologies are, how they work, how you, how you would use them. And it's entirely for coders, so it's entirely based on, like, somebody will get up on stage and open an editor and write some code um, in order to demonstrate the awesome features of, of, of these, uh, all these new programming environments. Um, so that's the plan for Dev Days. Sign up. Um, next week, producer Alex, who's on for next week? Do we know yet? Um. Yes, we do. Hold on. It is uh, Miguel Diacaza. Uh, Miguel Diacaza, really? He's scheduled on for the next next week's uh, yeah um, podcast. August second. Awesome. Well, that'll be terrific. So um, he's another fast talker. We'll have to slow down the. You know, I was planning on getting one of those time warp things that forces you know that, that captures the voice and slows it down because I feel like it'd be useful with a lot of our guests. Yeah. And um, we could speed up this week because Jin slowed us down somehow there. We were, we were usually faster than that. You just sort of get a combination of Jin and Rory, and, and you just have a essentially a hurricane is created in the podcast. 
Yeah. That's right. That sounds dangerous. Um, okay. Speaking of Rory, if anybody knows where he is, have him call me. Um, thank you very much for listening to the podcast, and we'll see you next week. Yep. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.